Well, good day, Fellowship family. It's great to have you with us as we continue this series called Follower. And we're looking at what a follower of Jesus is all about. We've talked up to this point that a follower of Jesus abides in Christ. Just like a branch receives its its life from the vine, we're to find true life in the person and the work of Jesus. Last week we talked about focusing on Jesus, on the person and the power of Jesus. Well, today I want to talk to you about the prayer life of a follower of Jesus. And as soon as we put that word up there, I know that tensions kind of rise in the room and heart rates go up because I think if we were to look at all the issues going on in our spiritual lives, our relationship with Christ, I think the one that's lacking the most is prayer. And I say that just because I've talked to a bunch of people about their walk with the Lord, and they kept coming back from people who've known Jesus for five weeks to people who've known Jesus for 50 years. My prayer life, I just wish it was thriving. I just wish my first thought was prayer rather than my last resort. And so I think we all want to get better with prayer. We all want to have a conversation with God. We want to seek him in prayer. But the busyness of life and the hurry of life kind of crowds out this relationship with God. And isn't that the enemy of a walk with Jesus as a follower? It's hurry. When you're rushed, when you're stressed, when everything is pinging off the walls of your life, uh, it's very difficult to create space to be quiet before the Lord, to listen to him, to speak to him. And so a follower of Jesus is practicing prayer. It's They are worshiping God through prayer. Now, I want to just share with you some of the myths that we have bought into about prayer. Some people have viewed it as a competition. And what I mean is they listen to someone who prays up up in front and they go, whoa, that is not me. I don't know those words. I don't know how to do that. They speak with such confidence. They speak as Jesus, of Jesus as if he's a friend. And I don't even know where, where I'm at with him in that relationship. Or if you're new to a relationship with Christ, you're going like, I don't know those words. I don't know how to do this. And so since I'm not as good as that person, I'm just going to pull back. I'm going to be passive with prayer. And really, what God is calling us into is a conversation. A conversation, an ongoing conversation, not a check the box exercise that you do, but an ongoing conversation. God loves to speak and to hear from his children. And when we pray, we take that time, we create that space to speak and to listen to God. Other people view it as a ritual and they've heard, uh, whether it's a priest who sung their prayers <laughs> or, uh, someone who's used big words like, like justification and redemption. And here's a big one, propitiation. And since we can't pray like that, we kind of go, whoa, that, I don't even know the terminology. It's just a bunch of, re, uh, religious rituals. And so we check out of prayer because we don't feel we match the ritual for it. But really what God is focused on is a relationship. Think about a relationship. When you talk with someone in a relationship, you're not just thinking, wow, they, they used all the ACT words that I was expecting them to use. No, you want to relate. You want a person to be open and vulnerable with you. God is interested in a relationship through prayer. Others are, are viewing prayer just as speaking. And I'll be honest with you, this is my issue. I've come to God throughout my walk with him with a list. And it's my prayer list. And I have everyone on it who's significant with me. I have our church on it. And this isn't wrong to do, but if it's the only thing, it kind of robs you of that relationship because prayer is not just speaking, it's listening. It's listening also. 
Now think with me. If a friend wanted to spend time with you and you said, okay, I'll spend time with you. Meet me over at the coffee shop and you show up with a list of everything you want to talk to them about and you sit down and you go, this is what I'd like to talk to you about. First of all, it's this and then it's this and then it's this and then it's this and then you go, amen. And then you get up and you walk out. <laughs> that person just sitting there going, what in the world was that? Now I do believe we have a God who doesn't go, what in the world is that? But I think it robs us of a relationship with him when we only show up to speak and we don't give him the opportunity to listen. And we don't, um, you know, to listen to what he's saying to us. Others, and let's just be honest here, we don't, we wouldn't say this in church, but I'm just bringing it out. We view it as pointless. Because when we read in the scriptures that Jesus even knows what we're going to say before we even pray it, we feel like, wow, why should I even pray it at all? Since he knows it. And we kind of go passive with him like it's a fixed horse race. And prayer does nothing for us. Others of us have sought God in prayer and we haven't heard an audible voice that we were expecting. Or we ha- he didn't answer it in the way that we wanted him to. So we go, pointless. It didn't finish the way I wanted it to finish. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. And we need to humble ourselves at this point because ultimately what the scriptures talk about prayer is that it's powerful. It's the most powerful thing we can do. Do you realize that? When you pray for me, it's the greatest thing you can do for me. When you pray for your spouse, your children, your your church, it's the greatest thing you can do. It's not pointless. We have a God who is alive. And when you exercise your faith through prayer, you're saying he's alive and you're seeking him as a living, active, answering God who loves his children. So what it comes down to, really what prayer is, prayer is all about that relationship, right? And so in order to give your your background to prayer of how you approach prayer, you might want to ask the question, How do I approach relationships? You ever have that friend who you only hear from when they need something from you? You know what I'm talking about? I know those people. Every time, thanks to the wonderful blessing from God of caller ID, they come on and I look at it and I go, oh, what do they need? What do they need? Because every time I call them, they never want to know how things are going. They never want to listen to me. They just go, hey, I need this. Sometimes our kids could be that. Dad, can I use the credit card? Okay, how much? (laughs) You're just, you're ready for that. And if you engage a relationship with people for what you can get from them, you will engage your prayer life for what you can get from God. And if they say no... And God says no. Your prayer life is going to be pretty frustrating. So if that's why we have to come to Jesus and submit everything to Jesus, including who he is and how we have a relationship with him. Because he doesn't, he doesn't <coughs> excuse me, follow our terms on a relationship. He is living. He's active. He's the God of the universe. We're called to submit to his will through prayer. But it's a relationship. It's clear, it's, um, both talking and listening to God, creating space to speak in our, uh, to Him and clearing attention to hear from Him. And relationships can only grow when there's good communication. So that's what I want to talk to you about. How to feed your relationship with God through good communication with Him through prayer.
And to do that, I'm uh, going to be using a, a passage that's really going to teach us how to worship God through prayer. And it's in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, please open it up. It's right, almost right in the middle of your Bibles there in Psalm 19, not 119. That would be a longer message. But Psalm 19 has 14 verses, and we're going to go through each one of them, and we're going to use it like the nation of Israel in their worship of God used the book of Psalms. It was, they were worship guides. They were worship guides. They directed people towards worship. This one was written by David, King David, one of the greatest kings, not a perfect man by far, but one who had a heart for God and and taught his nation how to worship. He's still teaching us today through his, through God's word. And we're going to learn four key elements about prayer. We're going to read God's word. We're going to try to understand what God is saying to us. And then we're not just going to talk about prayer. Ready to go with me on this? We're going to pray. Now, here's what we're going to do. Well, here's what we're not going to do. I am not at any time going to ask you to stand up and pray in front of everybody. So everyone chill. Everyone relax. That's some of our greatest fears. I'm not going to ask you to pray with the person next to you. I'm going to ask you to pray with God. This is now the fourth time we've done this. And so I understand that a room full of people that's quiet may sound awkward. But that's the problem. (laughs) The problem is it's awkward. We need to create space for God to speak and to, to hear his voice. And to speak to him. When we come to a place like this, we come to make him greater in our lives. We don't come to hear a message to be entertained. We come to seek him. And when we find him, to commit our lives to following him. And so I understand we don't do this every week. And I understand some of you are tired and you may fall asleep in the minute that I give you. Okay? I want you to fight that and fight all the distractions so that you can clearly seek after And celebrate this God, who's your heavenly father, who loves to speak, who loves to listen to his children. Let's take a look at this. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all, through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs his course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So what is David doing? Well, he's looking around him. And he's looking at the general things God has shown himself to us with. And that's creation. He starts out with the heavens declare the glory of God. He's giving a profession of God's greatness and his glory in his life. And look what he does. He looks around them and he looks up and he goes, the heavens declare the glory of God. How does it do that? Because even before the telescope was invented, when David was king, he looked up and he saw the vast number of stars. He saw the sun during the day, the moon at night, and he celebrated the greatness of God. 
And now that we can discover and explore the universe, what have we found? We found through science that the universe is far greater than we originally thought it was. Far greater than even David recognized it as. But the universe is this massive billions and trillions of space. And and yet the earth in relationship to the size of the universe gets smaller and smaller and smaller the more we discover about it. What is it showing us? That if God is personal, if he's a God who relates himself to us in this little tiny place of seven billion people that we think is so big, and yet his whole existence, he created it. He spoke it into being. If he did this, then, and all of creation is declaring his greatness, then we need to be people who declare God's greatness, his glory in our lives. So it's an invitation that it looks. You know, theologians call this God's general revelation, which literally means generally, what has God done to show us that he exists? And David answers, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim his handiwork. And then it talks about the sun rising and setting day to day and night to night. There's speech. They're kind of... If all of creation is speaking to us, there is a God he created. He's big. He's glorious. He's great. Worship him. Worship him. All creation invites us in to worship the creator. And therefore, our purpose then is to make God greater on earth as he is in heaven. God is calling us to do this. And therefore, we need to realize in a relationship with God that we have a heavenly father who loves to listen. He loves to speak to his children. So what I want to do now is as you look around your life generally, I want you to declare God's greatness in the general things that God has given. Some of you may thank him for creation. Some of you may thank him for his provision in your life, the blessings you have, food and clothing and shelter. Some may may declare the greatness of Jesus in your life, the person and the work of Jesus. Thank him for Jesus. Proclaim the greatness of Jesus, his power, his knowledge of your life. Some of you may need to give him the glory for things you've been taking the credit for, your accomplishments, your position at work, your income. You need to just give him the praise and the glory for that. Some of you need to thank him for your life, that you have breath today. That you're vertical, <laughs> that you, that you have a family, that you have friends. Some of you need to thank him that you have capacities to do things that, that he has given you the skill and the ability to do. Let's just take this time in quietness before the Lord, clear away your distraction and profess his greatness and his glory in your life. Go pray with him.
Let's keep reading. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings from a honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. So what David does is he moves from the general ways God has shown us to the specific way that God has shown himself to us. He moves from the world and the creation of the universe to now the word of God. And that's how God has revealed himself. And what does it say about how he's shown himself to us? He's actually said that I'm here to give you direction in this world. And when you come to God in prayer, specifically, you come to seek his direction for your life. Seeking God's way for you. And what does it say about God's way? Look at some of the words that are used to describe God's way for us. Number one, it's perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's pure, it's clean, it's true. We all want that. We all want that in directions, right? We want right directions. And when we don't get them, it's frustrating. How do I get to your house? Figure it out. (laughs) We like directions. I mean, most of us do. I like to think that God has given me the, you know, navigating ability of a homing pigeon, And I rarely take directions, especially from my wife who's helping me drive. So I get lost a lot when I'm driving. But thanks to Siri and thanks to Google Maps, I'm right most of the time. But it involves this all the time. And then when they're wrong and they don't realize construction, which they're always wrong in Topeka, right? Then, then it's costly, right? Now, this is what happens with my car, and it's frustrating when we're driving a car. How much more with our lives? How many of us can point back to, to the decisions we made when we were younger that just reaped havoc on our lives? A decision, how we viewed ourselves. A decision to, to go with alcohol in excess for over and over those years. And now as adults, we're wondering, why can't I get rid of this? Why is this such an addiction for me? Uh, for, some of us have never dealt with anger or bitterness because we never learned ways to seek forgiveness and not turn towards revenge. And so we made a decision to get even rather than to forgive. And that we need direction from God. I think about all the relationships represented in this room with you and your family and your friends and your workmates. I think of all the direction that we need from the Lord. Folks, we are in desperate need of of God's direction in our lives. And when we come to him in prayer, we seek, God, what's your will for me? What's your way for me? Because we're assured, as David reminds us, that the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. And the rules of the Lord are true. Now, we like those end games, but we don't always like the word of the Lord in our lives. And yet God is always going to direct us because our loving Heavenly Father loves to guide his children in the way of life. Your Heavenly Father is 
passionate about his kids. And if you're his child, he wants to guide you. He knows the stress that you're under. He knows what you're dealing with, the tension, the anxiety of what do I do? What should I say? What should I do? And he wants to guide you in this. So when we seek him, we need to be people come to him with the decisions we're about to make and trust him with it. Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, in this relationship, what direction should I go? Lord, with this opportunity, what should I say yes to? Lord, with this anxiety or burden, what should I do? Come to him right now and seek his direction. Lift up specifically what's going on in your life and seek his direction. Because God will be found and his direction is clear for us. Seek him right now. Just take some space and quietness to lift up something in your life that you need his direction. Pray to him. This week, my wife had foot surgery on Thursday. And on Thursday morning, as I was preparing for this message, I was just lifting her up before the Lord, and I was trusting her foot with the Lord and with the doctor, and just asking for a good surgery and a speedy recuperation. And then I stopped, and I listened. God, as a result of what's happening in my life right now, what would you have me do? Now, I didn't hear an audible voice, didn't hear a whisper, okay? But here's what I heard. Serve your wife. Serve your wife. Why did I need to hear that? Because my wife is not able to put any weight on her foot for three weeks. And we have a house with steps. (laughs) So my wife needs me. And my wife is pretty uh, independent. She can do a whole bunch of stuff and she likes freedom in that. And, and so this is an area where I need to step up and help. I needed to realize that. Now, I've shared this for four services. And after each service, people have come up. What can I do? How can I help you? God has arranged help for my wife. His name is Joe Hishma. <laughs> so he's going to use me to do that. And I appreciate your, your offers. But um, this is good for me. But I needed to hear from him on that. Now, you could go, come on, any goofball. Not, not this goofball. I needed to hear that. And you know, as you're listening to God, how do you know it's God speaking to you? Well, it needs to align with Scripture. So it's not just uh, God told me. I mean, lots of evil things in this world have happened because people have, have said God told them. It has to align with God's word. And that's why David just goes right to the law of the Lord and the commandments and the testimonies of the Lord. So whatever God calls you has to be. But I would say serving your wife would be a pretty good biblical concept as I look at all the angles of husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that aligns. That aligns. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Two verses, 12 and 13, says, who can discern his errors? And, and again, just want to guide, what, what does this mean? It means that David's is asking the question, who can see inside the motives of your heart? It's not God has errors. It's who can look in and see their own errors? Declare me innocent, he says, from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Here's the point that after you declare the greatness and glory of God, after you seek his direction, now you confess. This is all about confession, where you receive God's grace for your life. Look at some of the things that David confesses. Number one, he confesses that he can't see it unless God shows it to him. Do you realize that? Sin is really sneaky. It's very deceptive. And to see it in ourselves, we need someone else to show it to us. He says, declare me innocent from from hidden faults. There are hidden things in us we can't see. We're blind. They're blind spots, which means you can't see them. You need someone else to point it out to you. What are some of the blind spots that we have? I'm told sometimes, just on a really bad day, I can be selfish. I'm just told that. Because I don't operate in the reality of I'm going to be selfish today. But I act selfishly, especially if someone is around me. And I need someone to tell me that. We need God, his word, and people to tell us that. And here David is saying, declare me innocent from hidden faults. In other words, show me them. I'll confess them. There's no fighting. There's no rebellion here. God, when you show it, I'll call it. I'll call it what it is and I'll turn from it. I'll repent from it. Which literally means turning your way. You were once going away from God. Now you're coming back to God. Confession does that. It's not just calling a sin. Yeah, I got a, tr- got a problem with this. I mean, you deal with that reality every day. But it's your willingness to confess it and to receive God's grace for it, his forgiveness and his freedom, and it's willingness to walk in the freedom that God gives you. We are in desperate need. We are in desperate need of of God's grace for our sin. To call it, to forgive us, and to free it from us. Another sin that David calls out here is a presumptuous sin. And those are sins that we do in the name of God, but they really aren't from God. What are some of those presumptuous sins? Well, Moses had one when he struck the rock in anger when God was providing water for the children of Israel. David had a presumptuous sin when he looked out and was rooftop surfing in Jerusalem and saw Bathsheba, a beautiful woman, bathing naked. He lusted after her. He committed adultery with her. And he did it all because he was God's appointed one. And we've got to be careful that the things we do for God are truly God's and not our own. And because there's a lure to doing things in the name of God for our motives. That's why it's important to humbly approach Christ and to seek his forgiveness. Now, some of you have a background of confession where you go to a priest, you pour out your sins, they tell you what you need to do for that, and then you're, you're forgiven. That is not the word of God. Uh, The word of God says that Jesus is our high priest. It's only he that forgives us. So you don't need me 
a hired professional, (laughs) and you don't need a priest to forgive you. Jesus is the only one who you need to forgive you. So when you confess to him, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so at any time in your day, you don't have to come to church to confess. You can confess to him at any time in your day. But here's the deal. You have a heavenly father who loves to forgive and free his children from sin. He sees you like you have a compassion. When your child is stuck on something, when they're burdened with something, and you can relieve it, your heavenly father has that same desire to relieve your life of sin. He sees the destruction. He sees the pain and the suffering you have because of sin. And he wants to relieve you of that. So come to him. Call it for what it is. Turn from it and receive his grace. It's not deserved. It's not earned. But it's freely given. Confess to him. So think about right now. Where are you at? Do you have an attitude of critical spirit? Have you been fighting because you've been angry or bitter? Take some time to just confess to the Lord where you're at and turn from that and trust in him to forgive you of that sin. Take some time confessing to the Lord. Everyone who confesses sin finds mercy. Finds mercy. You have a heavenly father who loves to forgive and free his children. Okay, are you with me? Anyone sleeping? All right, last point. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. And by the way, isn't it awesome to be freed from sin whenever you confess it? We don't have a God who says, oh, I don't know about that. You better live a really good week this week. And I've been looking. Who's been naughty or nice, church? Come on. He's not Santa. He's not. He's a God who's your loving heavenly father who loves to free you. So live with that freedom. Live with a joy. And, and as you do that, you really develop an attitude and a heart. That wants to serve him with great joy and with gladness. gladness. I'll work on that word. Gladness. And, and he wants to, wants to free us from being hindered, being burdened, being anxious from our sin. Look at that last verse, verse 14. David says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I like this one because ultimately he's praised God for who he is and what he's done. He's sought him, his word and the direction that God has for him. And he's confessed his sins. And here's what he's doing. He's dedicating his life. These words that he's, uh, that he's using are sacrificial words. They were, they're laying your life down at the feet of Jesus words. 
and they're committing your life to him. So now, Lord, that you've shown me what to do and you've freed me from my sin, now help me walk and follow you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. It's the God who gave him grace and forgave him. It's the God who founded and formed him, who was his rock and is his shelter, who he runs to, who now is going to be the God he dedicates his life to. Because every day, every day is an invitation to humbly live and give your life to Christ. I think about uh, the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father is that we have a Father who doesn't just love to forgive and free us. We have a loving Heavenly Father who loves to give good things to his children who ask. David's asking for the words of his mouth to be acceptable, but also the attitude of his heart, the desires of his heart. To be acceptable to God. So how do you dedicate your life to God? Well, you offer up your life to him. You call it out. You say, God, help my words to bring you glory today. You, Lord, help the desires of my heart be something that shows the world that you love them. That you exist. That you are great. Lord, I need strength this day to make it through it. Lord, whatever else you need, I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to follow God in the area of patience because I'm not patient. So if I were praying this prayer, I would go, Lord, I need your patience today. I need it now. (laughs) God, I react rather than respond with your love. I'm someone who speaks Before I think. (laughs) So God, I want my words to be pleasing to you today. Dedicate your life to the Lord. Now, we're starting a week. So I'm just going to give you a few seconds now to dedicate your life to the Lord. Lord, help me. Whatever you need this week that God could source your life with. Hopefully you're not going to pray just for money, okay? Let's pray for good things that God loves to give his children that are priceless things, the transformation of our characters. And let's dedicate our lives to him. Dedicate your life to him this week right now through prayer. So as we went through this exercise, everyone survived. We made it. And, you know, here at Fellowship, one of our great desires is to equip you to talk with God and to listen to God. I think that's one of the areas is, as we think about one of the greatest gifts we can give you and one of the greatest resources is to show God for who he is and call you to live in that reality. And if you're not talking with him, which, and I'm just being honest with you, most followers, people who say they're followers, aren't talking with God through prayer. 
they let it lapse. And they rob themselves of a relationship with their heavenly father who longs to speak, listen, act, answer prayer. So if we can encourage you and equip you in this, man, job done. But we, this is a constant uh, desire that we have here, and we don't want to just equip you in it. We want to lead you in prayer. And so our first response with you will be prayer. When you call and say, this is going out of my life, after we hear what's going on, we will pray with you. We will commit to doing that. Each week when we get together for a weekend, when we get together for our worship services, we have prayer partners that are in the, the uh, upper atrium there who will pray with you. And they are there and they're available for you. If you would like to profess something to the Lord, confess something to the Lord. If you have an issue you need to dedicate to the Lord, go to them. And they will come alongside you and pray with you. Because we want to be a church that is always seeking God through prayer. This will be a house of prayer. And we want to lead you in that. But this is not just the house of prayer. Wherever you go... You can pray. You can seek him. You will find him. You can declare. You can, you can seek his direction wherever you're at. This is the heavenly father we have who loves to speak and listen to his children. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the truth that prayer is powerful and too powerful for us to neglect. It would be a a goal of Satan to lure us away from the very powerful thing that we need in our lives, communication with our Heavenly Father. So Lord, move in us not just to speak, but also to listen to you through prayer. And when you speak to us, help us to follow you. It's in the name of Jesus and for his glory that we pray. Amen.